I believe in Christ, he is my king. With all my heart to him I'll sing. I'll raise my voice in praise and joy, in grand amens my tongue employ. Scriptures reveal the divine desires of the Lord in our behalf. Each of us should have a burning desire to search the scriptures diligently and daily to seek the will of the Lord in our life. Brothers and sisters, on very thin pages, thick with meaning, are some almost hidden scriptures. Hence, we are urged to search, feast, and ponder. If you are lonely, please know you can find comfort. If you are discouraged, please know you can find hope. If you are poor in spirit, please know you can be strengthened. If you feel you are broken, please know you can be mended. Okay. <sighs> we have made it to the end. I mean, is it, it was going to. Is it the end? I mean, it was going to happen. We were eventually going to get to the last chapter no matter what, but um, it's been a full year. I think this will be our 52nd episode, which makes sense because it's the last one. But I, in, in many ways, Moroni, specifically him, he kind of saves the best for last. You know, this this last chapter is full of a lot of really good stuff. And, you know, you look at some of the previous chapters or previous lessons that were multiple chapters, and you think this is only one chapter, but there's a lot here. And he kind of says, you know, I, I'm going to write what I want to write now. I'm going to write what I think will be benefit, but will be beneficial. Um, and he's writing to the Lamanites. And he's writing to us, and he's writing to everyone who might come after him, because he knows that this is the end of him also. In, uh, in verse 3, Behold, I would exhort you that you, when you shall read these things, if it be wisdom in God that you should read them, that you would remember how merciful the Lord hath been unto the children of men from the creation of Adam, even down until the time that ye shall receive these things, and ponder it in your hearts. This is a guy whose entire people are, are being killed off. It's a little bit hard, I think, to maybe look at that and think, gosh, God's really merciful, you know, <laughs> when he's being, his people are being wiped out. But I think it's because he can acknowledge why it is that they're facing these troubles, why it is that they're being destroyed. And it's because of their pride. It's not because God just wanted to have a field day. It's because they led to their own destruction. Their decisions led to that. That being said, he's also looking at it as how merciful is the Lord that despite this people being destroyed, these records will go on. The story of my people from leaving Jerusalem with Lehi all the way until this moment will be preserved in these plates and will be stored in the earth. They'll be hit up until a future day. And he's like, you know, considering how we've basically abandoned God, it's pretty merciful that our story will continue and hopefully serve as a, a warning to people in the future. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting in verse 2 where he says, I seal up these records after I've spoken a few words by way of exhortation unto you. And then he begins, and I would exhort you that you should read these things. And so I looked up 
the word exhortation or to exhort. In my here's one definition that's kind of cool. It says in modern usage, exhort can mean to incite by argument or advice, to urge strongly. One might use exhort interchangeably with summon, beseech, entreat, or encourage. Words like these are used frequently in scripture, but the Greek takes us deeper into the heart of the New Testament. And then it has a Greek word, parakaleo, which uh, it kind of says, in other words, to make a call, which is close up and personal. So it's like a, a close up and personal uh, mm -hmm. admonition type of thing, which is interesting because he kind of tells us as well that one day we're going, he's going to be there, Moroni. And we will be able to talk to him. Like we won't, we'll, not that we have to answer to him or anything like that, but, but there will be no doubt that he exhorted us, that he gave us these these things. And then in verse three, when, when it says, I would exhort you that you would remember how merciful the Lord has been unto the children of men. So the first thing I feel in understanding if these scriptures are true is we have to understand what God's nature is and what his purpose is. And is he a caretaker of his children? Is he actively involved? Is he wanting or expecting things from us? And does he give us advice, uh, signposts along the way? Has he called prophets? Has he continuously uh, beckoned us to come unto him, you know, invited us? Has he, you know, and, and in, in order to, to know that for ourselves, well, we have to truly read the scriptures and pray and, and ask ourselves, did these things really happen? Did God create heaven and earth? Did he put Adam and Eve here? Did he give them commandments? Did he give them a right way to live and counsel them against the wrong way to live? And then you get into the Old Testament where it's like, when you live the right way, you prosper. When you don't live the right way, you are destroyed. Not so much by God, but by your own decisions. Yeah. You know, and, and by each other. And we look at, and then the I, I feel like so much of the Book of Mormon has explained a lot more the God of the Old Testament. Meaning, in the Old Testament, we see Israel rising and falling all the time. And they, in a few pages... You have thousands of years to go by. And in the Book of Mormon, it gives us one story of, well, actually two people that rose and fell. But it gives us way more insight. We see way more love and kindness examples and way more uh, information of these prophets who, like Alma, they carried and they gave up their judgment seat and they went back and preached the word. And why would they do these things? Why would they... They just say, hey, I'm saved. That's their problem, you know? Why? Because they have learned this behavior from Christ himself. And then when you see him come and take it to the next level and show them even greater kindness and anticipate their needs even more and give them even greater knowledge, by which after his coming to the Americas, it says they were no happier people. And he wasn't here. <laughs> 
anymore. But how could people continue to be even in continue to increase in happiness by living his commandments? And that's kind of where we are. When we have our testimony affirmed to us, we we gain happiness and joy. And when we make these covenants, we gain a remission of our sins. But that's not the end. That's not the high watermark. That's not what was intended to be the best part. The best part is when you continue down that path, that happiness you felt will be incomparable to happiness that continues to build in a sure foundation. And, and like in, the, in this, um, this uh, lesson, I know I'm kind of skipping ahead, but it tells us in the, I can be perfected through grace of Christ, of Jesus Christ section. It says Morona's ad admonition to come unto Christ involves more than learning about him or thinking about him more often or even trying harder to keep his commandments. As important as these things are, rather this is an invitation to come unto Christ in the most complete sense possible, to become as he is. And I think that's a great summary because we, can, we certainly need all those things listed there. We need to learn about him. We need to read the scriptures. We need to keep the commandments. But the fruit is the becoming like him, you know, that we can see him as he is, that we can be in his presence, that we can not be ashamed. And I think that's what real happiness is. It's, it's interesting to me that he would use this word exhort so frequently and that he would use it in a way to... To me, it, it doesn't mean I'm forcing you to do anything, but it's like, I, I, I need you to read this stuff and I need you to think about it and I need you to analyze it and I need you to think and ponder it in your hearts, he says, when you re shall receive these things. You know, it's more than just, oh, oh that's a nice scripture. Oh, that's, I'm going to make a quote out of that. You know, it's like, think about it, ponder it, the mercy that God has had. And then in verse four, obviously, probably one of the most read scriptures in the Book of Mormon. I know I read it with almost every investigator we taught, you know, if not every single one on my mission, every single one. Uh, we read this to them at the end of like the first lesson. Um, and it, when you shall receive these things, I would exhort you that you that you would ask God, the eternal father in the name of Christ, if these things are not true. And if he shall seek with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth of it unto you by the power of the Holy Ghost. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, you may know the truth of all things. There's so much in that that it's like, look, don't take my word for it. And that's the thing. He's a prophet. He could say, I am the representative of God. You need to believe me. Or as a missionary, you could say, I have this name tag that says I've been called of God to say this stuff. Just believe what I say because I'm tell telling the truth. Or the prophet could come out every general conference and be like, you know what? Just believe me. I'm telling the truth. I'm the representative of God on the earth. But every single time I read this, I think this is an invitation to find the signal from God in all the noise of the earth and all the noise of the world around us and say, hey, I don't have to go through anyone else. I don't have to go through uh, a prophet. I don't have to go through a missionary. I don't have to go through a parent. I don't have to go through a friend or a bishop or a stake president or anybody. I can ask God directly. You know, is this is this true? Is, 
this policy or this doctrine or this scripture or this talk, is this true? And then he gives us the blueprint. You know, if you ask with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth of it unto you by the power of the Holy Ghost. And a lot of times when I've asked, is this true? And I haven't gotten a full clear answer over time. It's because I maybe lacked one of those three things, you know, wasn't being sincere or didn't have real intent to act upon it. If I, if I found out that it was true or my faith in getting an answer at all, wasn't maybe the strongest. And so I'm having a hard time getting a response. I think also there's this myth that we say a prayer and then we quiet for a little while. And then the spirit tells us it's true. That can happen. And it does. But by no means is that always going to happen, you know? <laughs> well, the answer you get isn't a Rubik's Cube. There isn't a random answer generator in heaven. Like just, well, you get this experience. No, the answer you get is the one you need. Yeah. And the method by which you need. And the, what needs to be remembered is you need to truly seek. You need to thirst after righteousness is what Christ gives us a couple examples in scriptures that try to gauge the amount of effort required. He does tell us our father in heaven is a good father who won't give you the opposite of what you ask for. He, he tells us asking him for bread, will he give you a stone? No, you know, but he will, he does require us to thirst, to seek. Seeking is not, I looked once and found it. Seeking is, and in order to seek correctly and to ask, you have to formulate the correct question. And the question is a little bit different for everybody because you have to work at it to formulate the correct question. And for me, when I know and when I receive a witness from the Spirit that something is true, usually is I've studied it. I have gone through almost several emotional cycles, some of impatience, some of disappointment, some of just why why can't just you know sometimes it could be even anger why can't i just know this or why is this happening to me or 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 something like that once i move past all of those and i and i am humble and then i begin to be grateful it's it's so and i think that's why it's so important on here that it says um perhaps most important of all this is in the intro of the chapter all of this can remind you of how merciful the Lord has been to you. For one of the main purposes of the Book of Mormon is to invite us to receive God's mercy. An invitation expressed simply in Moroni's farewell words. Come unto Christ and be perfected in him. And I think when, I, when I'm reading the Book of Mormon or listening to it, and I start seeing all of the miracles that he's done, and then I start placing myself in those scenarios, the miracles of my family and our immigration and our help in our jobs and our kids. And I start seeing all of the things that could have gone wrong and all the things that did go right. And then I get this feeling of like, I haven't been alone this whole time. I have not been alone. It's Satan that wants to make us feel alone. It's in the scriptures where we're counseled, pray always. Whatever thing you need, ask. 
And oftentimes we think, oh, well, we have a tier system. If I'm going all the way to God or, I'm, or, or we're going all the way to the president, it has to be a president-worthy assignment. <laughs> and this is the same Heavenly Father in Christ who says to us, who's greatest among you? Let him be your servant. They're already placing themselves. We're here to help you. If, if you are to read these things, read them not so I know that, the, well, don't take this the wrong way, but don't read them so I know if Joseph Smith is a prophet. I know, I want to know if, the, I want to know if the printing press, or I want to know if President Monson or President um, Nelson, you know, or so on. It's like, I want to know if this is true, if Jesus Christ can truly make me happy. Read it for yourself. And if that, and if that's the answer you're seeking, how can I be happy? What would you pay for that? In the world, we have apps, we have seminars, we have all of these things, all these self-help things out there. Billion dollar businesses all the time telling you this and have a quote and have Instagram remind you and Facebook, join this group and we'll give you a more positive message every day. It's like, we already know that there's a lot of energy being spent on the pursuit of happiness. This book explains the plan of happiness. It all explains the principles. It shows us examples of them implemented correctly and incorrectly. And all of that is not so in every scenario, you'll have an example. It's so you can come to Christ and he's the answer for your personal scenarios. You may not see every scenario in these pages, but as you read them, you'll get to know Jesus Christ. You'll be invited by the Spirit, and then He has the answer for you. It's like a vehicle and a, to Him. And, and I don't know if that makes any sense, but for me, when I know that, and I, and I receive witnesses that the Book of Mormon is true, it's almost always based on my gratitude for the blessings I've had in life. And as I read these scriptures, then I'm filled with a happiness and a comfort and a knowledge that Christ lives and he is aware and he can help me, has helped me and will continue to help me. I just need to align myself. I need to walk towards him, to hang on to the iron rod. If I'm expecting a catered experience where I sit back and the things are served to me, I, I, I often have left disappointed and and but if i see that i have been given the agency and in this life how am i spending my time searching for the things i want to know then i find that that the answers come yeah i think he throws in verse six to kind of help us understand that as well and whatsoever thing is good is just and true wherefore nothing that is good denieth the christ but acknowledges that he is you look at your life and you're, you're thankful for the blessings you have and the experiences that you've experienced, good and bad. What's the outcome? You know, it's kind of back to the, if by your fruits you shall know them. Nothing that is good denieth the Christ or leads you away from Christ or takes you to a place where you're no longer getting closer to Christ. The things that are good in your life are only going to take you closer. So he's saying, ask God, pray, ponder. Ask God, and 
if you have things that if it is true, whatever it may be, this or anything else in your life that you're you're wondering about, you'll see good things come of it. I look at like different prophets and how they received answers, you know, that we have examples of in, in the scriptures. So you, you look at Enos. He wrestled with the Lord all day in order to get a confirmation and a testimony and all of that and to receive a remission of his sins. That was not something that came instantaneously. You look at Nephi. When he prayed and asked questions to the Lord, an angel came to him and was like, what do you want to know? You know, it wasn't an instantaneous answer either, but it was kind of like, okay, that's what you want to know. Are you sure? And then he shows him a vision, right? And then you think about Joseph Smith, who we're going to be talking about a lot next year, who all we talk about is the first vision being this miraculous thing. But what, what about all of the stuff that led up to that? What about all of the attending meetings and studying the scriptures and trying to understand what each religion represented? And then, you know, that increasing sense of confusion and increasing sense of dissatisfaction in understanding anything that is good is just and true. Wherefore, nothing that is good denieth the Christ. Most of these religions weren't denying the Christ, but they had things that he didn't see meshing with the Bible or with the gospel. And, and he it was wasn't like, an instantaneous thing, yeah. Yeah, it was a long time that he was doing this. And it, every time he'd run across something and he'd be like, I don't know. And he'd read and then he'd ask a, a pastor or a preacher and they would tell him, you know what, you just need to believe. You need to stop all that. And it was kind of like, uh, I don't I'm not getting that feeling of this is good. And so even though we focus on the first vision, obviously it's the culmination of everything he did up until that point. There's still there was a lot of pondering, praying and studying that led up to that. I personally have never experienced anything anywhere near that amazing. Um, but the testimonies that I have received, the confirmation of the Holy Ghost that I have received, has come over time. And sometimes there's things that you really struggle with understanding or, or even believing, you know, and you're like, I don't know. I don't understand why this would be this way. And you kind of have to marinate with it for a while. And you have to go through experiences and keep praying and keep pondering about it and ask the Lord earnestly, what is this about? You know, like, is this something I'm going to understand now? Or, you know, should I just marinate with it for a while? And sometimes that's the answer, you know? One thing that I felt as I read these chapters and as I listened to the lesson was that knowing that the Book of Mormon is true is also to know that Christ continues to be involved, continues to be help, and, and has always been that he, that maybe the worst misrepresentation we've been given is the thought that God spoke once, the heavens are closed, figure it out, and here's <laughs> some smart guys to help you along the way, right? It's not like that. The head of the church is Jesus Christ himself. The keeper of the gate is Christ himself. And all the love and kindness he gives is what he has learned from the Father. To know one is to know both, right? And in verse 18, this, this really hit me in, in verse 18 where it says, and I would exhort you, my beloved brethren, you remember that every good gift cometh, cometh of Christ. And I would exhort you that you remember that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that 
all these gifts of which I have spoken, which are spiritual, never will be done away, even as long as the world shall stand, only according to the unbelief of the children of men. So he's kind of saying, as long as you're willing, I'm willing to. When you're not willing, you're not going to feel like it's working. But it, it, it's like I get the sense sometimes that if I don't give up, he'll never give up on you. Yeah. But if you give up, you won't hear the still still small voice. You won't do the simple things that appear simple because what is five minutes of your day reading scriptures? What is 10 minutes of just meditation and prayer, right? What, what it really does it cost? It appears so simple, but it's so profound and so powerful. And that's, that's the allure in the, in the temptation in this life, that we feel like our problem is complex. Our problem is this algebraic problem. Okay, how can addition help me solve algebra? Come on, you can't <laughs> tell me, come on, you know? But if we understand that these simple things have an aggregate effect, and then it also has divine help that while you look to Christ in faith, he is powerful enough to unravel all these problems. And that often the solutions are simple ones that can resolve complex things. And, and I would also say that as you are open, as the Book of Mormon, it opens our minds to the fact that Christ works through many people and that if there's any good that we should seek after it and sometimes the good can be found in books it can be found in other religions you can find their practices you can see someone who's devoted to their craft and it can inspire you to be more devoted to your life anything that can take you from as long as you're based on true principles meaning you should be a good husband, a good wife, a good father. You should honor your agency. Uh, don't bring shame to your household. Uh, respect the agency of others. Forgive yourself. Forgive others. Then you can find so many more truths out there that will help you in business books, in meditation books, in clubs. It, not clubs like dance clubs, you know, but in like groups of people that you can join. Say, hey, we're scrapbookers of America. Or we're the fly fishermen of, of the eastern states. We go and we fly fish and we enjoy. Like in all of these things, there can be good things that will enhance your primary responsibilities and commandments that you should be growing in your life. Your, your, your ability to care for others, to appreciate this earth, to love your life and your wife and your kids. And, you know, to, you know all of these things become even sweeter and you start seeing so much good in the world and you don't in your your you can see that 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 good has the ability to change you and to change others one of the things for me that i i'm always humbled by is when i feel something i never thought i would feel i see individuals they'll say something they'll bear a testimony or they'll share something that's important to them and i'm like i have no idea what that feels like it's cool. It sounds great. <laughs> and then time goes by, years go by, and then I can say that. And I say, I know families can be together forever. You know, and there was a time in my life when that's, that phrase meant nothing. 
<laughs> it was like just words, just sounds out there. And now I'm in a stage of my life where that phrase means everything. And it means something so. And when I see what I used to not know and what I know now and how much meaning it has now, I can just, I am just humbled and amazed that the Lord is saying, there are greater things prepared for you. That the eye, the ear, and the mind cannot comprehend what wonderful things your Father in Heaven has in store for you. And what He wants for you. And what He sees your potential. And often we we dismiss those things because we see the world in ruins. We see bad people making bad mistakes. People hurting each other. And you, it's hard to feel like that can really... but that can really happen, that can really mean something. But when I when I look at my life and I see those little steps where I now feel something I never felt before and take time to appreciate it and to thank your Heavenly Father and to understand that you as an intelligent or intelligence, you're growing, you're receiving new perspective, you're receiving eyes, you know, judgments you used to have, you no longer hold. Ideas you had or, or, or you know, Feelings you never felt, now you feel empathy, you feel sympathy, and you feel happiness, and you feel concern, you know? That's the growth. That's line upon line. That's you knowing that this gospel is working within you, and you're seeing that your natural man, part of your heart is shrinking, and the pure love of Christ, the charity in your heart is growing. And that's what these gifts that it talks to here are, are gifts to help us serve one another. And that we all have different styles, we all have different aptitudes, and to, and that we should continue to seek to improve all of our characteristics and all of these gifts. But that can only happen when we're solely based on these come from Christ. They're used to do good, not from my own ego. Yeah, I think the most important part about the gifts of the Spirit, and it lists a bunch of them in this chapter, you know, uh, to have exceedingly great faith, that he may teach by the knowledge of the same Spirit, um, that he may teach the word of wisdom, see healing, work mighty miracles. Like there's a lot of interpretation of tongues. There's a lot of different things in there, and I think it's almost like uh, the the knee-jerk reaction or the first thought is to think of it as, well, I don't have any of those, or how you know what kind of superpowers do I have? You know, and I think, like you were saying, it's the whole purpose behind these gifts is to serve others. And you may not feel like you have the power to work mighty miracles or whatever. But I think that these gifts come and go as needed by the Lord and as needed by you. There are times when you need to be a good teacher and the Lord will bless you in that moment to teach very, very well. And there are other times when you need a gift to be, to be believing and the Lord will bless you with that. I had a, a very interesting experience a few years ago working downtown during conference. It was during October October conference. I was leaving work and I was going to the conference center because that's where I park. And um, <laughs> I saw this family. It was a mom and dad and like two, three kids. I don't know, uh, like teenagers or whatever. And they were wearing like traditionally Guatemalan clothing. And I was like, what is this? You know, like I served my mission in Guatemala. I instantly recognized their, their way of dress. And they, they do dress that way in Guatemala, a lot of people. But it was very out of place in downtown Salt Lake. And I was like, what the heck is going on? And they're just kind of standing there looking around. 
and they were pointing and then they were looking and they were pointing somewhere else. And so I approached them and I was like, hey, uh, are, how's it going? Are you guys from Guat Guatemala? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we are. Oh, God, awesome. What are you doing here? And they're like, well, we're here for conference. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Um, can I, are you looking for something? Can I help you? And they were trying to find their way and they're like, we have these tickets we were given to go to conference and where do we go in? And it was like the, the day before because they were going on Saturday and this was Friday evening. And so I kind of helped them. I told them, well, this is the door you'll go in and uh, just show them your tickets and they'll, they can show you where you're supposed to sit and whatever. And um, then the, the dad asked me, he's like, how do you know, uh, did you serve your mission in Guatemala? And I was like, yeah, I did. Where? And I was like, oh, I served in this part. And he's like, how do you know Sutuil? Which is a Mayan language. And I was like, oh, I, I don't know Sutuil. And in that moment, he kind of looked at me with this puzzled expression. And I looked at his wife and she was like, what? And I didn't realize that I had been communicating with them in their language. And I didn't even realize it. And I don't know Sutuil. I don't know anything about Sutuil. And I was just like, we kind of looked and had this moment where we looked at each other and we we're like, whoa, what just happened here? You know, and when people talk about the gift of tongues and whatever, I experienced it that day. And it's because these people needed help. And I was there and I was willing. And it, you know, didn't move a mountain and no, you know, I didn't convert a nation or anything like that. It was just a simple helping you find your way tomorrow when you come back this way. But there was this like, legit moment when we were all kind of like <laughs> look up at this guy like hey thanks you know it was it was crazy it was crazy and you know my mom's from argentina i spoke spanish growing up i i understood everything but i could i could speak very little uh, my my ability to speak was very little and then as soon as i got my mission call to go to guatemala city that changed and it was like suddenly I not only understood everything, but I could express what I wanted to say in Spanish in, in a way that I had never been able to do before. And it lasted until I was able to learn it enough to be able to handle it on my own. And I'm, I'm a, that, that, those were testimony building experiences that taught me, you know, this is how the gifts of the Spirit work. The Lord says, I need you to carry this out. We read in the last chapter, you know. If you have faith, you will be able to do anything that I ask you to do. If you have faith and willingness, you will do anything that I ask you to do. And that's, that can't be more true. And these gifts of the Spirit, that's what they do, is they give us these abilities as needed to carry out His work. Yeah. And so if you sit around and you say, well, I want the gift of tongues. I want the gift of interpretation of languages, you know. You may have it. It may just be an innate ability that you have that you understand and you can understand and you can learn languages very easily. But then you might feel discouraged if I want that and I don't have it. Well, maybe that's not the gift that's needed right now. Maybe it's something else. And I can guarantee you if it is needed, he'll bless you with it. There, there's I think sometimes we. We think it. Sometimes these things have to be like Jedi powers, right? Like these <laughs> yeah. Mystical mystical magical things and it's like it encourages us to seek after these there is some i think we shouldn't shortchange the fact that we went to school to learn something and we learned it and and that somehow takes 
takes away from the fact that God that God didn't bless me with this because I went to school and I learned his blessing can only be if it magically appears, you know, and that, although that can't happen as you, it's happened to you, right? It's, it also doesn't cheapen the gift because you were in the empty seat and you struggled with the language and maybe you were the last missionary that could teach a discussion in, in a certain language, you know, or, or, or whatever, right? And it's not, a, it doesn't appear to come as easy as it came to somebody else. But I don't think, I think we have to be very careful because it's like King Benjamin says, like sometimes we feel like our interactions with Father in Heaven are these transactions where he owes us and we pay and he pays us. And, and, and in the end he says, but in the end, the very breath you take is a gift from him, you know, and ye are less than dust of the earth, you know, uh, meaning I think he's trying to express to us that as all these things, the things that come easy and the things that come hard, we should be grateful for both, you know, and not, 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 we, we often over, overvalue others gifts and undervalue our own and that's a that's a normal thing but we should be very careful you know for me i i remember as a mission pre, uh, state president sent me apart as a missionary he blessed me that i'd be able to remember addresses and locations and navigate in chicago well and i thought that's really awkward that's really weird but right now i get in my car and if it's not the place I went to yesterday, I have to put it on my phone. But when I was on my mission, I it was so nice. Like I never got lost. We always were going, and it's very confusing, you know, and to the point where I could back up a transfer van and a trailer down a one alley street in Chicago, uh, you know, so we could move elders' apartments, you know, these <laughs> and and uh, it it. You know, and, and we'd get a new area, we'd go to the 7-Eleven and buy a map and we would plot things out and then we would jot them in, in our in our planner. And it's very different than Utah because everything there has names. Yeah. Where here we have a grid system that seems like, well, why would I get lost? And just go in there and there. And it's it's just like it's little things, you know, as as well as big things, you know, that uh one of the things I think that's important for us is, is to remember that we need to have, continue to have faith, continue to have hope, and develop charity. And as we do those three things, we will, I, I feel that we will then know how to pursue these gifts and seek the right ones. And because we will, the closer we get to Christ, the more we are humbled and the more we we can see the distance, the, the fact that I, I am a sinner. I, I do think about, uh, uh, you know, vengeance or I do think about this and how do I clean myself? The, the closer you are to someone who's pure, the easier it is to see your own impurities, you know, and as we... We we should, but but never does Christ say, "Be gone from me." You know, you're you're only unclean if you're unwilling to change. To anyone willing to change, his message remains the same: "Come unto me, 
and, and even to those that are not willing to change, to everyone is always come unto me. Come, come see for yourself. And that's where this, this scripture, this chapter kind of summarizes with the invitation, come see for yourself. Come hang on to every good gift. Um, in verse 30, uh, 29, uh, 28, we can read the whole chapter. 28, <laughs> I declare these things unto the fulfilling of the prophecies. And behold, they shall proceed forth out of the mouth of the everlasting God. And this word shall his forth from generation to generation. And God shall show unto you that that which I have written is true. And again, I would exhort you that you would come unto Christ, lay hold upon every good gift, and touch not the evil gift, nor the unclean thing. And that alone tells us we're going to have choices. There's degrees to this. There's also, as there are good gifts, there's evil gifts. And, and those could be, I would think, anything that we use selfishly. We can often turn good things self to selfish things. You know, it's almost like those. Um, a friend of mine was. We were laughing because he was telling me about co uh, compliments and insults. You compliment someone through an insult, or you insult someone through a compliment. Yeah. Like, uh, hey, Daniel, you don't sweat so much from someone who's so out of shape. You know, <laughs> like like little comments like that, and it's kind of funny and. And, and but but it's it's funny because oftentimes we try to well, uh, the service we do is we proclaim to follow Christ. We say the right things, but we don't do the right things, or we know better. We just don't do better. And it's just like this compliment insults. They start feeling good, and then you're like, eh. you know. <laughs> and one of the things that we should be most careful is the first covenant we make is we take Christ's name upon us. That as inadequate as we are, we're going to try to be like him. Which means it's not too primary or too infantile to ask ourselves if this person's only interaction with Christ was through me, how would I treat them? And, and at some point, I know I have, at times in my life, been a bad example of that and would not be proud to say, hey, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ and I'm his disciple because my actions did not match that or my actions would have been a bad experience for someone to say, you know what? No, thanks. I'll pass. You know what? I was looking for the truth. But uh, you're a bad example of that. And I think that is kind of scary. But on the, on the other side is we can be ministering angels. We can, as imperfect as we are, and imagine the trust that he has in us to say, I'll let you represent me. You know, that's scary. <laughs> but that's how powerful his message is. That's how powerful the gospel is. That he can, you know, that that it can the greatest example can be our own broken lives being put back together and us being able to share that with someone to say, you know what, 
this is what the gospel of Jesus Christ did for me. And they can do this for you. Yeah. I think that's epitomized in, in verses 32 and 33. Like you were saying, he says, Yea, come unto Christ and be perfected in him, and deny yourselves of all ungodliness. And if ye shall deny yourselves of all ungodliness, and love God with all your might, mind and strength, then is his grace sufficient for you? That by his grace ye shall be per perfect in Christ. And if ye... And if by the grace of God ye are perfect in Christ, ye can in no wise deny the power of God. And again, if ye by the grace of God are perfected in Christ and deny not his power, then are ye sanctified in God, in Christ, by the grace of God, through the shedding of the blood of Christ, which is the covenant of the Father unto the remission of your sins, that ye become holy without spot. I think biggest takeaway of this entire year of studying the Book of Mormon is intent. What is your intent? What are your desires? What is it that you really want? And he's there. He's always there. And it's us that either get closer to him by our actions and by our intents, or that distance ourselves from him by our, by our decisions. He's there. He's constant. The, the path, you know, in the tree of life, it's there. It does not change. It doesn't waver. Everything is always there. The rod is there to grab onto. And it it's not uh, going to be moving or changing direction or unpredictable. It's, it's always constant. And it's us that tend to show our mortality and our weakness when we want to let go or, or we're enticed by something else or we don't feel like we're ready or we're worthy or whatever the reason may be. It's us that have to continue to return back come unto christ yeah it's an it's an active thing it's not something you do once you want to talk about active in the church it's not you know are you attending church once a month we have to have a metric right so we measure it that way but what does it mean to be active in the gospel it means to be coming back to christ every time you feel a little bit further away that you realize my intent is to be like him and in order to be like him i have to follow him that's that's probably my biggest takeaway of this year is that what are my intentions as I go through my day and am I doing things to become more like him, to come unto him, or am I doing things that will distance myself from him? Yeah. I think, I think for me, I often feel when I have, when I know better and I'm not doing better, I feel ashamed to come unto Christ. And I have to remind myself, he already knows. <laughs> the atonement was infinite. And sometimes we feel like, well, we're either adding to or taking away from you know, it doesn't work that way. It's not a quantity of how many tally marks you have versus how many service projects you accomplished, you know. It's he knows in knowing that we would have the weaknesses and the opportunities and the deficiencies and the need to develop certain characteristics. A plan was made from the beginning. This plan wasn't thrown together after Adam and Eve fell from the garden, after you decided to sin. It was from the beginning. God knew. And he allows us the opportunity 
to learn for ourselves. And what better way than to learn from ourselves, for ourselves, than to read this book that has this great promise of all of these great prophets and people that have come before us years, many years ago, and, and pioneers, modern day pioneers that have carried this from door to door, from village to village, through airplanes, through buses, through bicycles, trying to get this out there to tell people Christ continues to be involved and wants you to come unto him. That Christ didn't do what he did for those who just knew about it. He did it for everyone, for those who don't know about it, for those that won't know about it, for those that refuse that actively mock him, that actively dis disregard it, that choose to take this time we have to improve ourselves and just, I'm just going to just enjoy my life. I'm not going to worry about those things. I'll see what happens. He knows all those things. He knows. And I have to remind myself of that so then I can just say, you know what? I know you know, and I'm sorry, and I'm ashamed, but I don't know how to be different. <laughs> And sometimes that's what we have to do. And little by little, someone will be placed in your life. You'll hear something in a talk. You'll read something or a, a, an idea, a feeling, a thought will come into your mind. You'll, a new person will come into your life. Or you'll realize you have to let go of certain people and, and add new people to your life. You have to change your routine. Maybe sometimes it's physically. You have to get up and be more active. Get out and, and be somewhere else. Or spiritually, you have to exercise spiritual muscles. You have to learn to love to learn, you know? And you have to understand that it's a process. And as you, as you come to know that process, as you come to feel the little changes within you, you start looking at others in a totally different view. You start seeing... Was I like that? And how would I wish, how do I wish Heavenly Father is patient with me <laughs> when, when I make mistakes? How should I then be patient with someone else? Because by forgiving and being Christ-like, we are actually demonstrating to the Lord that we are understanding of Him and His methods. And that's where that whole scripture, the way you judge you will be judged, you know. It's, it's aligning that the way we treat others is a great example on how close we've come to understand how Christ treats us. And, and I mean, we have to be patient. You have to, it's almost like when you, when you make a decision that you want to know, that you want this in your life, that Christ, if he is out there, I'm going to find him. And you'll find him in your scriptures. You'll find him in keeping the commandments. And you'll realize that he's not just an imaginary thought. He's more than that. He's an actual being. And, and then that's where these things become alive. Well, I just looked it up. And over the course of the, the year, we have gotten a total of 18,000. 22. 
18,367 plays as of right now. You think in a way I never spoke to 18,000 people on my mission. <laughs> I know that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know? Like, I was thinking about that the other day. I was thinking, huh, I think, I hope that in every one of these lessons, people will know that as imperfect as I am, this is my testimony. And as whoever these people are, that they've listened to it, <laughs> that they may at least know that at the end of the day, this is my testimony. This is what I believe in. And that's, that's kind of cool because ne I never thought that many people would be interested. Well, we, we never started this to go viral. We never did this to make any money off of it. It was purely that, just to share what we think and feel about the Book of Mormon and give other people the opportunity to do the same. Um, we've had some awesome guests, regular people just like us, uh, come on and share their thoughts and feelings. And the people that listen, I, I feel like I hope uh, benefited from it. That was kind of what we were hoping, to have like a, an additional uh, beneficial study tool for Come Follow Me for this year. And to think that our voices have been played over 18,000 times, it's awesome. But at the same time, even if it had been one person 52 times you know <laughs> it would have been it would have been just as awesome because i feel like i've benefited tremendously from this and i feel like if it's helped even one person just understand something a little better or just feel the spirit and have a better week then i think we've accomplished what we set out to do and we'll start doctrine and covenants next year and that that'll be a new challenge it's a whole different kind of book of scripture but it should be good. A lot of learning to do on that one. <laughs> I I really enjoyed this, and I think I've enjoyed it more because kind of how informal we are. I mean, we're <laughs> we're just reading it just like everyone else, and these are the thoughts I have. And and I've, as I listen to other people share their thoughts, or at work, or in meetings, or you know wherever. You know, it's not uncommon now to say, hey, come follow me. We're talking about this and we're all talking about the same scriptures. Yeah. We're all churchwide as in the whole earth. We're all reading around the same verses around the same two weeks. Right. And it's really nice because there's been many times, especially in, you know, some some meetings I've been in where I've been able and I work with with other members of the church, if that makes sense. Because, but we're able to mention something of that week. And I don't know, it's it's just nice. Uh, I, I view the way that I learn and I learn much more being able to listen and to have these discussions. So it's a great blessing. It, well, it has, it's been a blessing because it hasn't been hard. As far as like, I I thought like throughout the year, maybe there'd be a couple episodes where we, you'd had to get like a substitute person or like, and considering everything that's happened, considering what this idea came to you pre-COVID. Yeah. And it felt pretty cool. But then once COVID hit, it felt almost essential. You know, yeah. it went from like, it's cool to it 
this is essential. Like, uh, and and then the guests. I mean, oh man, we have well the all the audio issues we had at the beginning, <laughs> and it's <laughs> funny because once we ironed that out, then COVID happened, and now we have to do it this way. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, and the guests having them on and not being able to have them on. I think the fact that the show could continue is a testimony that that I think we did it the right way. I think uh, um, it wasn't built upon a personality or secret knowledge we hold that others don't that we have to tell them. It's more, this is kind of what's interesting about it. This is what stuck out. One of the biggest things that I've learned this year is the fact that all of these great people had feelings that feel very much like inadequacy, doubt, disappointment. And in the past, I've always thought of like these prophets as infallible, like they were nigh unto Christ, right? Yeah. They weren't, you know, they also didn't know. And even Mormon, when he says, hey, I'm writing you this letter, my son, and I hope you're okay. I hope you're alive. Like, okay, he knows the plan of salvation, but he doesn't know his son is alive. Can you just ask a quick prayer to see that? <laughs> they also had to have uncertainty. They didn't know everything. Well, it was theirs to know. They were expected to do the best and testify on that. But they were still holes that they had to continue to have faith and continue to rely on the Lord. And I think sometimes uncertainty is a very scary thing because I think sometimes we wish we knew everything. And it's like the brethren, they say, hey, we were told the mission age needs to be lowered. That's it. How? We have to figure out how to do that. The Book of Mormon is truly the keystone of our religion. And that a man and woman will get nearer to God by abiding by its precepts than by any other book. And if you then go and do what he would have you do, your power to trust him will grow and in time you will be overwhelmed with gratitude to find that he has come to trust you there is no end to the good we can do to the influence we can have with others let us not dwell on the critical or the negative let us pray for strength let us pray for capacity and desire to assist others let us radiate the light of the gospel at all times and in all places that the spirit of the Redeemer may radiate from us. My dear brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ invites us to take the covenant path back home to our heavenly parents and be with those we love. He invites us to come. Follow me.